0: Hello, we're the Revitalize and Grow podcast, here to give you top tips on how to take your marketing and communications to the next level and help you grow. I'm Jenny, your host, and each week I'll be joined by one of my fellow pros to pick apart various PR and marketing topics, demystify the jargon, and give you some practical tips that you can apply to your own business. Occasionally, we'll be bringing on some special guests for bonus episodes. You can find all the latest episodes and keep in touch with us at adpr.co.uk or find us on all the socials. You can find the handles in our bio. So grab your cuppa and join us and don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss the latest episodes. Welcome to the Revitalize and Grow podcast, here to give you top tips on how to take your marketing and communications to the next level and help you grow. I'm Jenny, your host, and each week I'm joined by one of my colleagues to pick apart various PR and marketing topics, demystify all the jargon, and give you some practical tips that you can apply to your own business. Today, um, I'm joined by Sophie. and We're going to be talking about crisis management, and more specifically, how to plan now to save your business in the future. Um, now, a crisis isn't always a catastrophe and protecting the future of your business doesn't need to be complicated or expensive. But if we're saying a crisis isn't always a catastrophe, uh, what exactly is it? So, that is the first question. Hello, Sophie. I didn't give you a chance to say hello. Hello.
1: Hi, nice to be here. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so, that that's, I think, the first Question: We can go into so when we talk about crisis and that crisis isn't always a catastrophe. um, What exactly is it? What exactly we're talking about? What are we talking about?
1: So I think a crisis is anything that causes a major disturbance for your business. It typically might happen suddenly and would pose some difficulty or danger to your staff or to your business in some way. Uh, It usually happens when time is short and decisions need to be made quite quickly. Yes, that's it.
0: It's, um, it's always when maybe you're least expecting it, isn't it? It's not something that um, you know is
1: coming often. Um, Definitely. And often it can happen at a bank holiday weekend or at five o'clock on a Friday when you can't get hold of anybody. It's, um, <laughs> it usually is one of those things when uh, it's going to yeah, but come up out of the blue for you. Yeah. And
0: you have to, as you say, you have to react very quickly, don't you? You don't have that luxury of um, being able to go into planning meetings and agonise over every decision.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, interestingly, uh, they used to say back in the olden days (laughs) that you had about uh, 12 hours, they used to call it the 12 golden hours in which that you could um, sort your stuff out essentially in order to prepare for the crisis. But with the advent of social media and everything being online, that's mm. been reduced to about fifteen minutes. Is, is what they they say now? Is is usually the length of time you've really got to to prepare for a crisis? Which is you know it's no time at all, is it?
0: No, that is the amount of time it takes you to make a cup of tea, isn't it? That's <laughs> not, that is not that is not very long to um, get your ducks in order and stuff. And start making decisions and communicating with people. Um, And I suppose uh, the you know most crises faced by or crises faced by companies boil down to a few essential things, don't they? A few essential items. I think.
1: Yes, you can really categorize most of the crises that are likely to affect your business. I think some of the some of the key ones that Um, we'll all be familiar with is a financial event, um, negative social media comments or influencer comments, or even negative comments made by a a key opinion leader within your your sector. Um, Also technical failures, whether that's Mm -hmm. within your business or within your product. Customer complaints is is a common issue for starting off a crisis, Um, disgruntled staff or or other related HR issues, Mm -hmm. and then product or service issues, which tends to be where most businesses start when it comes to their crisis planning.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's these, and sometimes... These problems can seem quite small, can't they? And then they escalate very, very quickly and can be very damaging. So,
1: yeah, and it um, could be that your perception of something that isn't a big deal to somebody else might be. So, I think that's why it's always really important to look at your organization, you know, as if there was someone holding a mirror up to it, really, so you can see how other people might view it because just because it's not a big deal for you doesn't necessarily mean a customer, you know, or a disgruntled employee might not get upset by something which could end up being a a bigger crisis than you'd ever Mm -hmm. envisaged. And that is, and we'll probably come onto that, won't we? It's that sometimes
0: the biggest mistakes that businesses can make is um, downplaying a crisis or um, kind of saying that actually it's not a very big deal when it, when it is, it might not be to you, but it is to, like you say, either your staff or your customers. And the worst thing you can do is you know, say, don't worry, it's fine. It's not, yeah. it's not a
1: big deal. <laughs> and absolutely. Yeah. I think w- when we talk about some examples, Jenny, yeah, we'll uh, get into that, but certainly I don't think it's the position for, for you as the business leader to be saying what's important or what's not actually, you know, if it's important to somebody else, then it's important. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: And so, um, what we're going to do today, aren't we, we're going to go through some steps. So, um, as we talked about as a, as a business, it's really important that you, you plan for crisis that could that could happen. You know, don't wait for them to happen. It's really important to have a plan in place for all these worst case scenarios, um, so you can deal with them very, very quickly in that fifteen minutes while you make your cup of tea.
1: Exactly, and I think also, Jenny, it's worth noting that you know research shows seventy percent of small companies will go out of business within one year of experiencing a crisis. So it can have a really detrimental effect to the long term liabil- um, viability of your business. So it's worth taking the time now getting a plan in place so you're not caught off guard when you get those uh, those 15 minutes to work with
0: yeah and that's a quite a scary statistic isn't it 70 percent mm. that's um that's a big number and you don't want to be part of that number do you? you want to make sure that you're prepared and um ready to take on anything so um for for people listening they've um they know they need to create a crisis management plan and they want to, and they've carved out some time to dedicate to doing it, where
1: where do they start? What do they do first? So I think probably the first step that businesses need to do is to have a Big long think about every possible thing that could go wrong in the business. Now, this, you know, might seem like a really negative thing to do, and it and it is to a certain extent, but just remember, just because you're thinking of them doesn't mean you're expecting mm-hmm. them or willing them to, to happen. Okay. So just because you're thinking about them doesn't mean it's going to make it come true. But you do need to be aware of the potential issues that are affecting your business. Now, this might be something that you do on your own if it's just you and your company. But if you do employ people, then I'd recommend having some, your team involved mm-hmm. as well, because they will be more likely to come up with other ideas that could end up affecting your business, especially if they're in a front-facing customer roles. They might pick up on things that could be an issue before you do. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And like you say, it's um, you might have you know an IT team, and they're going to know so much more about the potential things that can go wrong with your software, for example, that has all your database on there than then you will as someone as a leader of a business. Or as you say, they're front-facing with customers and they're going to see all those various different issues that can happen um, on the front line. And, and those disasters can be anything, aren't they? Or disasters, I say, crisis can be anything from huge things like natural disasters and global pandemics all the way to as you you know product recalls and disgruntled employees you mentioned earlier and it failures so it's really important isn't it to leave absolutely no stone unturned
1: yeah exactly that's why it's good to get other people involved and yeah just to map out every potential scenario as we talked about earlier, Jenny, there is the likelihood that you'll be able to you know, sort of group these under certain headings to, to help you, but have a real long think about all the potential things that might go wrong.
0: Yeah. And then you can, um, once you've got those headings, you can start thinking about tackling them, can't you? So, um, you've got your big long list of all the various different things that that might go wrong. Um, and then what's, what's the next step after that?
1: So once you've got your big list and you've grouped it into potential um, different areas and you are really confident that you've covered off all your worst case scenarios, then you need to make a decision about who exactly is going to lead your crisis in the event it happens. Um, It might be you as the business owner or it might be that there's somebody else that's more appropriate. It, It completely depends on the setup of your of your business, but you won't be able to do it on your own. So you do need to come up with a crisis task force, if you like, who will be your team who can help you handle all aspects of the of the crisis. You'll need some different skill sets there. You know, you need to probably have somebody on on, on the law side, someone who's familiar with that, as well as someone from marketing who can help you with the communications, probably HR, finance, um, and IT as well. Although it will completely depend on on your business, and similarly, you need to make a judgment call as to who you want to be the face of the crisis. If you like, you need to think about a spokesperson and who the right person would be for your business. in In the if if you're a small company, it's very likely that that this would be you, but um, m- not always. So just have a think about who the best people would be for that job. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Sometimes
0: it it doesn't need to be the chief exec does it It needs it needs to be someone of a relevant department and actually it's you kind of get the chief exec out when it's for the big guns don't you it it Mm. does depend as you say on the crisis and you need to make sure that everyone that whole task force knows exactly what's happening and uh, along the way and um and can advise you on the various different elements i think now actually might be a good time we can talk through some of those examples of people Businesses maybe that haven't done
1: it quite so well. Um, yeah, so there, yeah, there are a, a few different notable um, uh, businesses that I think haven't handled crises particularly. Well, I think we're in the UK. Certainly, we're all familiar with um, what we like to call sort of rogue or maverick CEOs. Yeah. <laughs> um, and with that, I'm thinking of uh, the likes of you know Tim Martin from Weatherspoons or Mike Ashley from Sports Direct, or even Michael O'Leary from Ryanair, who all, in their own way, at one point or another, have you know really sort of put their foot in it when it comes to PR and communications, and often from saying things have got headlines you know for all the wrong reasons mm-hmm. so i think there's you a know, multitude of examples from from those companies but there's also a uh, tim martin from weatherspoons who at the beginning of the covid crisis wasn't exactly thinking that it was serious um and similarly the same goes for mike ashie from sports direct now with those um gentlemen it it's, it's an interesting one because they're very difficult from a PR point of view to manage and it would be uh, difficult to try and get them to sort of toe the line, if you will. But is are the crises that they get involved with enough to stop customers using their services? I'm not actually sure that that they are because they're, they're all quite low value providers. And I think that customers can still be swayed to use their services when mm. they're so when they're so cost effective, Um but I think there are some other examples of, of businesses where crises have had much more long-lasting reputational damage. And I think one of the most um, recent examples of, of that from a, a massive brand is actually Facebook and the Cambridge Analytica scandal and coming out of that, all of the associated scandal with just the fact that we don't trust Facebook with our data anymore yeah. and One of the biggest mistakes I think Mark Zuckerberg made in 2018 regarding this scandal was that he took too long to to front up about what had happened. I think it took him five days to talk about uh, the situation. And that is just too long now, Mm. especially from a social media company, you know, where they know about how quickly things move. Five days is really too long and unacceptable
0: yeah and in in those sorts of situations, you would usually expect um at least a holding statement, wouldn't you? Just um something to let people know that you're looking into the situation and it's a matter of urgency. Whereas like you said, it was very odd that he was just so quiet on the subject. Hmm. and all all it did was fuel people's suspicions and um negative opinions of the company.
1: Exactly. And it has caused long lasting reputational damage. You know, people don't trust Facebook with their data. So I think it's going to take a long time for them to recover from that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it just, it just goes to prove, doesn't it? It's yeah. Well, we talk about, it's back to that 15 minutes, five days is definitely not 15 minutes, Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to have to move faster than that. Um, But it, you know, it, it, makes you wonder doesn't it if they had that crisis plan in place and had that you know that particular scenario did they did they know what was going to happen and what could come out and how they were going to handle it and the fact that it took them so long makes you think maybe they weren't prepared and they weren't prepared for the backlash
1: yeah, um, I think it's caught them. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it caught them by surprise, which for a company as massive as Facebook is, is shocking, quite frankly.
0: Yeah, I know, isn't it? I mean, we're to, you know we're talking here about how um, maybe smaller businesses can um, put together their crisis management plan, and you do assume these great big global companies would be better prepared, wouldn't you? and they're not always. <laughs> They're not always as prepared as you think they are, but um, that's what we're here to fix. So um, moving on to the, po- the positive side and then what what people can do. so they've got well, their task they've got their small crisis task force ready to lead the way. they've got their um, list of potential scenarios.
1: Um, what comes next after that? So now you've got to think about the sort of detail, really. And this is probably going to be the biggest sort of chunk of work that you do. Um, my recommendation would be to not sort of dwell on overthinking because, you know, you can sort of fall down a bit of a, a rabbit hole when it comes to it. But to really look at the actions and the steps that you need to take in order for to minimise the damage to your business in regards to each of your scenarios. So some of the key questions to think about is who already knows and who do you still need to tell? So depending on what the scenario is, you need to think about who the stakeholders are, what information they need to know and how the crisis will affect them. There's, you can't really take a one-size-fits-all approach because it is always going to be bespoke. But just think about who those stakeholders are and what information they, they need. Something that can help you with this is just making sure that all your HR records and databases are really kept up to date because you don't want to be finding out that you haven't got somebody's phone number that you need right in the middle of the, of the crisis. You want to mm-hmm. make sure that you've got all that basic information already. And you could consider preparing some short statements that you've already pre-prepared. Again, that will just help with the timings. It will help you get things out the door quicker and give you a little bit more breathing space. These statements hopefully wouldn't be needed, but it just means that if they are there, you've got them. And because the detail of the statement will change it's important just to leave those blank spaces to fill in the specifics, Mm -hmm. but at least you've got something to start with.
0: Yeah. And we do a lot of that, don't we, for, for various clients, a lot of holding statements that we explain, you know, we're not, by no means do we expect to use these and do we want to use these, but they're there, as you say, for the element of speed for, for when you need them. Um, And I think where you talk about thinking about who your stakeholders are, I, I, I think a good tip is to also think internally as well. I think, I know you, you talked about HR records, which is really important. And I think often um, we think crisis is an ex- something that happens ex- maybe externally or with external forces, whereas um, actually a lot of it can be internal issues. And you also really need to make sure that your staff know what's happening and know before anybody else, the last thing you want is, your staff finding out about a crisis when they see it in the papers, or yeah,
1: definitely. I think making sure that your internal audiences are are fully in in the loop as much as you can be. Bear in mind, information will be scant potentially at the beginning. Yeah, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Keeping your internal um, team up to date is is critical, particularly when if they're in a, a front-facing role, because you know it, it is possible that journalists won't go to the Allocated media contact, and they may just try your switchboard. You know, they may try to get information from an unsuspecting customer service agent, for example. So, having your team fully briefed or as much as they can be can help with those things that might pop up unexpectedly. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. And it's, it's, if you've also got staff and a customer facing role, you can have the best statement in the world. And, you know, as a chief executive, you could be going out with very carefully planned statements and you have all the information and um it's going very well. But if a customer approaches one of your staff and asks them for information and they don't know, and they don't have the full um scope or don't know what they should be saying, then it can all fall apart, can't it? Because immediately that customer thinks like, why, you know, why don't you know? Why don't Why aren't you ready to answer my question? So um, it's very important that just everybody is up to speed um, and everybody knows what's happening and what the next steps are. Um, So once once we've identified that, so we've um, looked at who already knows and who do we need to tell, and we've looked at those different stakeholder groups, um, it's quite important, isn't it, that everyone involved from that task force point of view as well, is given quite clear roles and responsibilities.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Jenny. And this is particularly important when it comes to speaking to the media. I think you want to keep it really tight who is allowed to, to do that, because you mm-hmm. don't want to get in misinformation getting out. So I think keeping it really clear on who is going to be in charge of, of which aspect of the crisis can just help to make sure people are only getting involved in in their particular role and that can just make sure that it keeps it really tight and, and, and as effective as possible
0: mm, absolutely and that that kind of brings us on to as well doesn't it it's the once everyone's got their roles and responsibilities it's knowing how you're going to keep track isn't it of what's happening and what each of those people are doing.
1: Yeah. And this is actually really important because there is the potential that the records that you make during the crisis could even end up having to be used in a court if it was to get to a legal situation. Obviously, yeah. it depends on the, the crisis, but it's just worth bearing in mind that having those records accurate may well prove that to be incredibly important later on down the line. So because of that, we always advise clients to monitor everything and keep a detailed record of all actions that are relating to the crisis. There will be a lot happening and it's difficult, you know, practically impossible to remember everything in retrospect so just keep a track as as you go through Um, and it also means that if you're keeping track of of records and what's being said to people it's a good way to keep your task force in the loop as well
0: yeah absolutely and it's um making it someone's sole responsibility to monitor all of that will make sure that um it doesn't fall through nothing falls through the gaps as well it's as you say it's um there's going to be a lot happening and it's impossible to kind of keep everything in line unless you're monitoring things very well and you, you keep um, coming back and coming back to your task force and discussing what's happened and what what the next steps are. So you, you're constantly on top of that situation.
1: And it, yeah, it also means keeping a track on things like what's being said on social media, what media inquiries are coming in, as well as anything directly related to the incident it, itself.
0: Yeah. And and of course, these things (laughs) are rarely linear, are they? Mm. So it's you, you're very right. You have to make sure that you keep an eye on the situation and all the things that are going to fluctuate because, you know, something such as social media can really go off in a certain direction. And you need to make sure that you're nimble enough and your team are, um, you've got that team together with their certain expertise where you can you can nip all that stuff in the bud. The last thing you want is you're so focused on what you think you need to be doing in this crisis that you are quite blinkered and you don't, you don't switch tact if you need to, or, you know, concentrate on another area if you need to.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I also think with social media, actually, it's important to pick your battles, Jenny, as well. I think brands can get into um, they can end up with a, a keyboard warrior, if you like, and you spend all your time on that when actually there are you know, potentially other more effective things you, you could be doing. So although usually we'd say you know, to always respond to, to every comment, I think it's OK in this situation, depending on what the incident is, that, that you do pick who you are having those uh, battles with online because you could well just be fueling the fire.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and you know with crisis management and crisis communications, you do have to you know remember it's you're just trying to manage manage things and come out the other side. You know, it's it's quite rare that you come out smelling of roses because you know something has happened and it's had an impact on people. Um, I. a good example, actually, of a company, a brand that did it very well as is KFC, isn't it? They did they did really well in a crisis.
1: Yeah, KFC is probably the, the classic example of modern time of, of how to handle a crisis. They, um, they ran out of chicken, <laughs> which is um, <laughs> a bit of a problem when you're a chicken restaurant. <laughs> and so they had some major, major supplier issues a few years ago. And... Um, they handled it exceptionally well. So they they handled it with humor. And I think that's a that's a careful balance to strike, but they did it really well. They handled mm-hmm. it with humor and that really showed their human side. They held their hands up. They admitted they got it wrong and they knew exactly who their market was and they spoke directly to them. So they brought out a series of, of print ads and out of home ads with this uh, really nice creative that had fck on it essentially mm-hmm. and um and it, and, it, and you know they were they were apologizing and they also used the creative and used the opportunity to praise their staff for a really good job well done in extremely difficult circumstances and i think that was a really nice touch as well they didn't forget their staff at the Colfees who were putting up with you know angry customers who couldn't get their chicken fixed. so <laughs> i think um that is a really good example of how you can come out of a crisis actually stronger than you went into Mm -hmm. it. And they did actually, um, and I'm
0: a bit annoyed with myself for not having the facts in front of me, but they they actually increased business, didn't they? They increased sales afterwards because everybody was talking about, because as you said, it was handled very well and they were very humble about it that actually, people thought, oh, do you know, what everyone's talking about chicken. I quite fancy yeah. KFC,
1: exactly. Um, yeah, and they were really busy when they, you know, when they got their supply chain reorganized. You know, they were really, really busy. And to be honest, they haven't really put a foot wrong in their marketing communications probably for the last couple of years. You know, they they really are a leader. I think in terms of knowing exactly who their target market is and speaking yeah. to them and coming up with really brilliant creative that that speaks to them. So I think. Yeah, if you're looking, any of our listeners are looking for an example, then check out KFC. They they really do get it right most of the time.
0: Yeah, I quite fancy some KFC now that we've done about. I know, about, I'm getting actually. a little bit hungry now, Jenny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so
0: back back into sort of the, the planning, the planning side of things. If we, we're keeping track of what's happening and we've and and I suppose it's very difficult, isn't it, for us right now to talk about exactly what the elements of your plan are, because it's very, very bespoke. But one of um, the things that can happen is businesses then forget to, you know, it's quite an adrenaline rush, I suppose. You go through this period where you're firefighting and you're, um, you're working very hard to manage a crisis, that when it sort of settles, um, people can kind of maybe forget that actually there's there's more work to be done afterwards, isn't there? It doesn't just stop. There is work after a crisis.
1: Yeah, definitely. The, um, you, you can't see into the future, so it's hard to know exactly what steps you're going to need to take. However, you you do need to think about what recovery might look like you'll probably want to just move on and forget it ever happened and, you know, sort of sweep it (laughs) under the carpet. But it's actually going to be really important for you to talk about what you've learned and share with your team, particularly your task force who were supporting you through the crisis. You know, what worked well? What didn't? what is going to have affected your business as a result of the crisis potentially are there opportunities to explore you know we talked about kfc they certainly would have done this and seen that there was a you know a great opportunity for them to actually expand and to to readdress their their branding so there might well be things come unexpected things coming out of it that can be turned to positives. It doesn't have to all be doom and gloom. And don't forget to say thank you to your team, you know, who've helped get you through the crisis as well. Mm. They'll have worked incredibly hard to to make it happen. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That's a really good, that's a good tip. It's And in the same way, um, you know, you mentioned earlier, you have to be human across the board, don't you, both when you're communicating, but also with your own staff, it's probably going to be quite a stressful time for everyone. So it's important to recognize that everyone's done a really good job in (laughs) uh, helping the business to survive. Um, And another tip we um, we would always talk to our clients about is, you know, never ever cross crisis planning off the to-do list. Um, It's good to have a plan, isn't it? But it's, it, you know, things change and your business changes. So there's always um, more things to think about, isn't there? That one that one plan can't sit there and gather dust on your, yeah, in, you know, exactly. in your filing system.
1: And it's things like, you know, your staff might change. So whoever you've got listed in your task force or your, or your go-to people to help you, you know, they might change or, you know, their phone numbers might change, their addresses might change. So just making sure that all those details are kept up to date and that you don't forget... And also, if you only address your crisis plan every once in a blue moon, it's potential that your business has changed, and even the threats affecting your business may have changed. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, lots of businesses weren't necessarily thinking about operating online before twenty twenty, and you know, the the COVID crisis could well have pivot, caused them to pivot to being online. So, if you used to only be bricks and mortar, and now you're online as well, that might well have Different sorts of crisis potential affecting your small business. So, just think about what changes could have happened since you last updated your plan, and make sure that it really is is fit for purpose.
0: Yeah, no, really good point. And it is, and so much has changed after that lovely year of twenty twenty. Um, so, I mean, just to to sum up, really, um, as with as with all marketing and communications really preparation is absolutely key isn't it it's it's critical for managing a crisis um we have gone through some steps today and talk you through that, but we do also have a downloadable guide on Crisis Management 101 that's available on our website. So um, if you want to go and take a look, if you head over to adpr.co.uk, you can download your copy. And of course, if you do have any questions about crisis management or anything else around your marketing and communications, um, please just drop us a line. You can reach out to us again via our website at adpr.co.uk or we're on all the social media channels as well. So you can always feel free to reach out to us and ask us any questions you may have. And similarly, if... there's anything you want us to cover on the podcast let us know we're always here and um welcoming new ideas on on the different challenges you're facing and how we can help you to solve them so thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time